1: They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: then that was the beginning of my learning curve when I knew then that you have to be a sponge and start getting all the knowledge that you can about this outdoors is not a given trick. It's not you show up and things happen that you have to know what you know. Study your craft and and become good at. And that was that was my foray into duck hunting. And all that I learned right now, you know, it's more than just buying a pole, buying a gun, doing something. You have to know you put your time in. So that was my that was my first duck hunt.
0: hey everybody welcome back to this week's show and thanks for tuning back in with us here at impact outdoors podcast man we've got a very special guest on the show today longtime friend of mine mr bubba ray and uh, bubba man i'm so glad he was able to be on the show with us and, and uh bubba is a fishing and hunting legend around these parts and has been doing that since he was a kid and has really become probably one of the top hunting and fishing guides in in all of Texas and has done a tremendous amount of work around the country uh, introducing people to to the outdoors and and bringing people together and and has started a a group called the Power Circle and uh, man they're doing awesome things and educating and teaching people all different kinds of stuff about hunting and fishing and I can't wait for you guys to hear his story. And uh, this is a a, a great interview. Glad to have Bubba on board with us. And, um, man, let's get right to it. So thanks for tuning in and hope you enjoy the show. All right. Well, it's time for another uh, another podcast here. Got my longtime buddy, Mr. Bubba Ray, from here in South Texas. How's it going?
2: Oh, pretty good. You know, just... uh... Fishing, getting ready for hunting season, Uh, you know, just the general thing we do all year long. Uh, Been uh, not fishing lately, my dad passed, but other than that, got that behind me now, we finna get right back at it.
0: Yeah, yeah, well I'm so sorry to hear about that, that just happened here in the last couple weeks, right?
2: He last, two Sundays ago he passed and we buried him on uh, last Monday.
0: Man, I know it had to be tough.
2: Yeah, what else can you do? I mean, he he was ninety, lived a real good life That's and a he's a long time. Actually the person who got me into hunting. So Man. He, yeah. One of the persons that put the foundation under me. So I'm yep. very grateful for what he did and uh he instilled the hunting in my life and then my grandfather's the person who got me into fishing. So uh, That's so cool. I I thank him for everything he did for me. Yeah.
0: Man. So, um well let's just start, you know, um where were you born?
2: Galston, Galston. Uh, I'm native, uh, went to school in Lamarck, Texas, uh, born, of course, UTMB, it was John City back in those days here in Galston, uh, went to school to Lamarck High School, all the way through, graduated in 1981, and uh, native of Galston County, all my life. Yeah. hmm
0: Man. So, what, uh, what was kind of your first, you know, you mentioned your, your granddad and your father kind of both introduced you to fishing and hunting. Um, what was kind of some of your earliest memories from them?
2: Uh, okay. My, I I, I hunted before I fished. Okay. Um, my dad, uh, was in a small game hunting. He ran licensed and registered UKC coonhounds. He ran walkers, English coonhounds. Uh, he also had beagles. So we, uh, rabbit hunted, squirrel hunt, coon hunt. And that was my introduction to the hunting world. And then, uh, my... Grandfather on my mother's side, native of Hitchcock, Texas, he was the fisherman. Mm. He, uh, I just remember as a, as a young kid going to spend a weekend with him, and he would go out flounder gigging and fishing. <laughs> and they would never let me go. And he would come back with these, it wasn't coolers back then, wash tubs. Yeah. And he have a wash tub full of fish, and I'd just flip out, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. Let me go, let me go. And, you know, as soon as you get a little bit bigger, it's always when you get a little bit bigger, <laughs> when you get a little bit bigger. So I just, I never could wait to get to where I could go with them. Yeah. So that, that's what got me into it, yeah.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, growing up seeing some of my uncle and stuff, fishing pictures and hearing the stories. And I'm just like, man, I want to go, you know. And I remember being on the water when I was like, my mom, and then, I mean, nobody believes me, probably two, three years old, I remember being on a boat, you know. And really? I was like. I can just see it, you know, and uh, always have had that memory. And, uh, man, I've been on the water ever since. You know, Sounds like you too.
2: Yeah, um, you know, when I would go spend the weekend with him, my grandmother, and, you know, grandfather over Hitchcock, I never, you know, as a kid, you don't know, realize what's going on in front of you. He had some wooden duck decoys that were hand carved that I knew if I could have my hands on them today, what they'd be worth. Yeah. Um he had some old Rod and Reels, old Shakespeare, LCIs, stuff that not of them oh, didn't know what they what they were Some of the first bait casters back then, you know. Yeah. And uh I can remember sneaking in the garage and playing with them when he wasn't around. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what they were then, but today they're collectors items, you know. Yeah. And uh one of the hurricanes washed the garage away. And we lost a bunch of that stuff. But, you know, I wish I could have had that then. But just to hear him tell stories, Mm -hmm. him and his friend Mr. Pruitt going out fishing. And, you know, I'd go over there and go, oh, it was kind of slow last night. They went gigging. Kind of slow. Yeah, how many you get, Grandpa? 53. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm like, what? (laughs) You know? (laughs) What? Well, we caught a few redfish yesterday. How many you get? 30, you know, a few. Back in the days. Back in the days.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we've all seen those pictures, all the fish that were caught back there. But, you know, I think there was a few less people fishing probably back then. <laughs> yeah, for, that's that's what he
2: tells me. He goes, <laughs> you know, they would go back to uh, Louis Bay Camp back then, and they could rent a 14 or 16-foot wooden boat, and then the outboard motor, maybe an 8-horsepower, 9-horsepower. Mm-hmm. They could rent it for 2 bucks. And they would go out and come back. It would be, you hear these stories, level four. You know, you hear these story. oh, we had the boat level four. And I'd go there and he'd have the boat level full. of fish. And uh, what was, what was kind of neat about it, that my grandpa would substitute their income with the fish. They would keep what him and grandma wanted to eat. Mm-hmm. And then they would take the excess, to Galston to some of the restaurants back then. You could sell them directly to the market then. Yeah. So he would pick up. I don't know how much. Extra forty, fifty bucks. You know, back back yeah. this is I'm talking the fifties, sixties, yeah. you know. Yeah. He might pick up an extra forty, fifty bucks, selling fish to the to, to the restaurants and to the markets mm-hmm. back then. And that's why he, he they fished for support. My dad made coin this phrase, we fish for support, not sport. Yeah. And he fished in so that's what I got from my from my dad and my granddad.
0: Yeah, that's cool, man. So so growing up, um, you got brothers and sisters?
2: One of each. I have a brother and a sister, sister never hunted our fish, my brother actually gave it, a, gave it a try, he would fish with me and grandpa when we were young, but he had a bad hunting experience, he was allergic to to insects, mosquito bites specifically, <laughs> and we took him on a, I'm, I can still vividly remember this night, it was around uh, late September. My dad took us out on, on a on a coon hunt one night, and the mosquitoes were atrocious, and they ate him up. And he looked like a giant whelp. Mm. And uh, from I can say, from that day to this day, he, he never did. Yeah, <laughs> you don't that, that, go that, back. that was it for him. That, that was, was it. enough. that was that was that was it.
0: You know, yeah. There's times I've been out, you know, work or whatever. You pull up close to the marsh, and it's just like a black cloud just lifts Tell me up. About man. It. We all been there. Just like, just like uh,
2: what is that? What <laughs> is that? So yeah, yeah, that's what happened to my brother. Uh, he's a educator. He went to a PhD and became a school superintendent up in Dallas. And he did uh, Clearbrook. Then he did uh, Fort Bend County. He, he went into education, but just he just never got into as like I did. But you know, it's funny. I knew at the early age I was going to do this. I just yeah. Uh, back in the days, it was a show. You used to come out every Saturday. Wild world of sports. On Sundays, I'd watch it every Saturday morning, and I'd tell Mom and Dad, yeah, I'm going to be there. I'm gonna be a professional hunting fisherman. I'm going to do that.
0: And look at you now.
2: And they told me, you going to go to school, get a college degree. you going to be a doctor. you am going to be a doctor, a lawyer, something. <laughs> no, Mom, I'm going to be a professional oh, hunting man. fisherman. Man. So where did Bubba come from? Okay, if no one knows, my real name, my, my government name, as they say, is William Frederick Ray. And I am the baby of the three kids, and my sister's the oldest, my brother's the next, and then I'm the baby. And when they brought me home from the hospital, they tried to teach my older brother to say, here's your little brother, and it came out, here's your little Bubba. <laughs> he was, from that, he called me Bubba. Bubba. It went from little Bubba, little Bubba, they shortened to Bubba. And I, my last name is Ray, but they put, everyone puts Bubba Ray together as one word. Oh, Bubba Ray. Bubba, yeah. Who's Bubba Ray? What's your last name, Bubba Ray? Ray. <laughs> my last <laughs> name is Ray. But that's where everybody gets Bubba from. So my older brother gave me that as an infant, and it's just been yeah. there ever since.
0: That's cool, man. So, man, that's a good name to have, though. Got so, a ring. Got flows out, though. Yeah, me? yeah, yeah. Shoot. Well, um, so growing up, you mentioned watching. Uh, Wild World Sports. I was on NBC or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So was there any other any big uh fishing icons or whatever that you watched growing up or
2: not watching. I, I was I was a real uh, enthusiast of all the hunting and fishing magazine. Field and stream, sports of field, um sport was it was sport magazine. But anyway, I would make mother when I I would work for dad, cutting grass, doing my chores. I would always uh, get my little allowance, and I would get every prescription to every outdoor magazine it was. So I had a stack that was, you know, to the ceiling in the room. And when I would see uh, a new issue in the store, so I had to have it, and I'd read yeah. front to back, front to back, front to back. And uh, I guess, you know, at that time, actually, bass fishing was more prevalent as far as being notoriety. So... Since there wasn't a lot of bass fishing, I didn't really gravitate to any particular people. Yeah, I just liked to read the articles and anything that was interesting. I I, I just wanted to take in as much knowledge as I could. Yeah, from a young kid, I always, I always did
0: that. Yeah, yeah. I grew up reading Bassmaster magazine. Yeah, Bassmaster. My uncle he always um, subscribed to those, and they were always at my grandmother's house, and mm-hmm. I stayed with her a bunch. And right. I mean, I would just memorize those things. You know, growing up and looking at the pictures and exactly, I would, boats and it's yeah. like I want to do that.
2: <laughs> I would go to the with my mother to the store and hit the magazine rank. And it was, I was the little kid. Mama, please, please, get me this one. Get me this one. And she, we'd have to fight and argue. You know, she like back
0: then they were only like seventy five cents. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> now it's like eh, it's ten dollars. Ten dollars.
2: Yeah, and so that's what I do. I I'd, I'd be in my room with the light on at night under the covers reading the, yeah. the fishing magazine.
0: Yeah. Now it's hard to even find a print magazine anymore. I mean, everything's social media. Everything's digital, and and uh, times have changed so much, man. Um, But it's all a good thing. So, well, what? So, what was your first? um, Man, I've known you for God. We I moved down here in '04, and we probably met not too long after that. Not too long after that. Um, and I know you're a huge duck hunter, so. What was kind of, so what was your introduction with your dad into hunting? Like how, what was the first thing you did?
2: Um, my dad never did anything but the small game. He he never did hunting. Like that. But like I said, he raised and bred dogs yeah. and hunted them even in, on the professional. He went to field trials and all like that. So I, I guess you could say my introduction was through the dogs. We would feed, I would feed the dogs and water 'em and do I have my chores to do take care of the dogs, whatever. But then at I'd say ten, somewhere around there. He first thing he did he took me rabbit hunting. And he, he I didn't have a gun. He gave me a kid's bone arrow. <laughs> and he stood me on the on the corner of a fence row. and he goes, If a rabbit come by you shoot it And he knew I wouldn't go you know. But <laughs> hey, I look like who uh, Johnny Appleseed Who are you I'm <laughs> sitting there cocked and ready, <laughs> you, you ready? know. And um we went to a, about a year of rabbit hunting, and once he found out i could i was comfortable in the woods, then we started going at night coon hunting mm-hmm. and uh he got me my first little pair of rubber boots and my jacket and the whole nine yards. and if they had it to five in the morning, I was right there it wasn't yep. it was never too much. We'd walk all over the all over and i' say i've coon hunted all over the state, Raised my own dogs hunted UKC and PCK, professional coonhounds for a while, and uh, did that. Cause, like I said, Dad never got in the big game. He never deer hunted, turkey, number. but then also, even with that, though, my dad kind of did the same thing that my grandfather did. He sold hides as a supplement for the income, too, because my daddy is a bricklayer. You know, I, I got the construction company, yeah. too. But at that time, in the uh, 70s, uh, late, mid, mid, late seventy, a good coon hide would bring you $25. Yeah. That's wow. before the faux fur and all this stuff so. now. And, uh, one in bad shape would be 12 so, uh, I can remember the fur buyer would come by my dad's house once a month, and in a month's time, dad would have 30, 40 coon hides. <laughs> That's some good money. He would make six seven eight hundred bucks. Yeah. So, uh. With that being, mama had too much to say. She was kind of like, hey, go hunting. You know, you and your daddy go hunting, you know. You go out there, and we'd, I can remember it would be on a Sunday evening. He would always come to town. And that Saturday, we'd pull them out of the deep freeze. We'd be pre skinned, rolled up. And we'd roll them out in the sun, let them dry, and brush them up, make them look real pretty so you can get choice uh, money for them. But yeah, uh, I got into coon hunting with dad from age about 10 till. I probably coon until I was probably twenty-five, real hard, mm-hmm. and then he broke me from it, cause we worked together. And Dad would, we would go coon hunting at night. Once I got grown, get home at three thirty, up at seven to go to work. Yep. Go lay bricks all day, but my dad would always mysteriously have to go check a job, or he'd go. <laughs> he'd go check, home take a nap. <laughs> hey, he'd go home and take a nap <laughs> on me. And it took me a while to figure it out. Yep. Uh, we ran out some material one day. And I went by the house. He's laying up in the recliner snoozing <laughs> on me. I like, I'm over here dead tired, you know. I'm dog tired, beat up. Well, he's the
0: boss. So He'll do he,
2: what he wants. So that's what uh, I, I, I kind of slowed up on, on coon hunting. And, and then uh, that's when I, I, I've i always had the interest in waterfowl and deer hunting and turkey hunting and all this other stuff. And I started waterfowl and its... Fifteen, sixteen, on my own with no, when I say no experience, had no idea what I was doing, but read a book, mm-hmm. you need some decoys, you need a duck call, you need a shotgun. I was working for dad. Oh, Gibson, it used to be a store called Gibson's in Lamar. Oh yeah, I know Gibson's. Gibson's.
0: Yeah, we had one growing up.
2: Had a Gibson's. I worked a whole summer, saved up my money, bought me a 12-gauge because I talked to, you gotta have a 12-gauge, went and bought me a 12-gauge shotgun. Need some decoys? Western Auto. You can buy the decoys at that time. You know, out there listening, you can be, you can buy one decoy at a time. What? <laughs> you can buy what you did, one half a dozen or a dozen. I think it took me all summer to buy <laughs> one this week and one next week. Now you gonna love this one, Derek. I, I bought me a, eight or ten. I don't even think I had a full dozen the first time I tried. It. Bought a bag, got them in there, and, and uh, out of two thousand and four. Meekham's Ranch that used to let you hunt out there for $10 a day. $5 a day. 5 or $10. I can't remember what. But it was, you could drive in the morning, pay your gate fee, and they would let you, they give you a map and you go in there and duck hunt. Now, you gotta realize, I'm 16, had my driver's license. I've never duck hunted in my life. I'm gonna go try this. <laughs> can't be that hard. They say throw your decoys out there, quack your duck off a few times, the ducks gonna come and you shoot them. <laughs> It's L- simple. Little did I know. <laughs> now, this is here's the very best part about this, Derek. You're going to love it. So they give you a map. Now, it's 4 in the morning, 5 in the morning. I'm looking at this map in the dark. I have never been on this ranch in my mm-hmm. life. I'm trying to figure it out. I got to find some water out of here, right? Go ahead and put your water. They sold some waders back then at Gibson's that was $7. They were plastic.
0: Oh, these weren't Sims.
2: These weren't even no, not the Sims. <laughs> Shout out to Sims. I thank y'all for everything y'all do for me now. But you put them on; they had no shoes on. So you put your tennis shoes on them, and they had some some like so nine basically them. a
0: seven dollar trash bag. You put up there That's about what
2: they were worth, right? This about the equivalent of what they were. I had my hunting coat on. I put my waders on, and they had a little elastic waistband. And I proceeded to walk out in this marsh, to, I, according to this little piece of map, there's some water out there. Well, I walk out there about 150 yards, and about 70 yards into it, I feel some water <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> coming in. And we get to the water, and I'm trying to figure out, I don't have, I don't I know where to put my gun. I don't know, I'm green, when I say green, I'm green. Got my shells in my pocket. I'm trying to hold my gun. Got a bag full of decoys. <laughs> and these waders are leaking. I mean, I ain't got... I reach in my bag, and I look out there. I can dust daylight. I throw my decoys out, and I kind of hunch down on, on my on my, on my my hunches here. I'm going to get rid of... Uh, and my duck calling was atrocious. It's, it was... <laughs> So I'm sitting there, I'm trying to wait and I'm looking for ducks and I look up, I realize my decoys are not in front of me no more. <laughs> so what's going on? So I pick up and I move down about 20 yards, I get back in front of my decoys again. I sit back down, and there I go again, I'm looking for ducks again. I'm watching the sky, I'm looking, and, I'm, and I, all around I hear people shooting, bam, 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 boom, 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 boom. Got to be some ducks out here because people are killing them. I look up and my decoys aren't in front of me again. <laughs> So, I think you you you're getting yeah. the hint of what's happening. Yeah. You got to buy the decoys and some weights. <laughs> That's the key thing. No one said you got to have some weights on them. <laughs> so, lo and behold, my first eight or ten decoys actually floated. You had a moving duck blind. I had a moving duck blind. My ducks, my decoys floated away. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I And I did not. I, ignorance is one thing and stupidity is another. That's what you always hear, right? <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. So, about an hour into this, now my weight has split from the <laughs> calf all the way up to my crotch. I'm soaking wet, and I walk back to my truck, and I'm I mad my decoys and, and I drive directly back to Western Auto to give this gentleman who sold me these decoys a piece of my mind. <laughs> uh, he sold me these trick decoys. <laughs> so, of course, I'm wet and cold, <laughs> hungry, and everything. I walk in the auto I need to speak to you, sir why are you sell me them bad decoys? He goes, what's wrong with them? They floated off. <laughs> and the expression on this gentleman's face was priceless. <laughs> well, I got these weights you can <laughs> buy right here. Did you? Weights? He said, yeah, they float. <laughs> if you don't put no weights on them, they'll float off. Bing! Yeah. <laughs> now you mm. feel about <laughs> this big, you yeah. know? But so, you didn't know. Hey, th- hey ignorance. I, and that was the beginning of my learning curve when I knew then that you have to be a sponge and start getting all the knowledge that you can about these outdoors is not a given trick. It's not you show up and things happen that you have to know what you know, study your craft, and, mm-hmm. and become good at. It. And that was that was my foray into duck hunting and all that I learned right now. You know, it's more than just buying a pole, buying a gun. Doing something you have to know your you to put the time put in. your time in so that was my that was my first duck hunt
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's hilarious and uh, but yeah you gotta put the time in got and, to uh, I am no duck hunter whatsoever like you don't even want to hear me try to why not? a duck call but uh, I've shot a few but um I still you know we keep talking about going duck hunting I keep telling everybody
2: year. duck hunting. Waterfowl is the funnest hunt I've ever been on and I've hunted. 30, 40 species of different game in my life. I've I've got a deer hunt, hog, squirrel, rabbit, coon, uh, shot dove, pheasant, quail. Just just a gamut of things, and I will say, I like the camaraderie with waterfowling. <coughs> uh, in the deer blind, you have to be ultra quiet, and yeah. you got to. But duck hunting, you can give your partner a rasher. Who run and you can mm-hmm. rag on each other, and then five minutes later, some more ducks come. You can shoot, you miss, you can talk about it yep. each other. And uh, but in my it's the most fun you can have with your clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, that's a I, good way to put it. That's the most fun you can have with your clothes on. Uh, now with that being said, I've been on some some duck hunts from hell too. Yeah. Uh, but when done the right way, they fun. But if you get some of them CNI hunts, it can be kind of rough on you. But uh, I over the years I've learned how to cut those hunts down to where well. try to make them as fun as possible. Yeah, I, I really I really enjoy it.
0: Man, so so after getting after putting your time in and you start getting experience with this hunting and fishing thing, you eventually start guiding, right?
2: Yeah, Um, I got my captain's license in 1999. um, I started fishing on my own same time around sixteen when I got I was able to get my truck, so I I read up on Lay's equipment and I'd go to the fishing shows and the boat shows and, and so I start throwing lures at age sixteen which I'm fifty seven now so it's thirty years ago thirty five years ago something like that and um, I, I always go by myself or with some guys and just try to judge myself against other people I thought Mm -hmm. were good outdoorsmen. And um, I remember when I, I, me and the guys that I was hunting and fishing with at the time, you know, you always feel like you're pretty decent in your crew, but then how do you judge yourself against others out there? And um, what made me start is the old Troutmaster series. Um, When it came up, uh, I asked Clint Belayas was one of the guys I was fishing with I go let's uh, let's join the Troutmaster Master Series and see how we measure up against these guys and you gotta realize something um, we were fishing out of 16 foot John boat with a 60 horsepower motor on it and you pull up in these Boston Whalers and you know yeah. Makos and all, back, then, back in those days you, it's, it's pretty intimidating and uh, I said what the hell let's give it a try and we fished the the am, the amateur side and Clint end up placing fourth or fifth and I maybe seventh or eighth at first the very first one we fished yeah out of 16 foot aluminum boat and I kind of like I think we can do this well, from there we went to the tackle times and the uh, rusty hook tournaments and all the other little local tournaments and we end up winning a few of them. Out there little John Boat. Mm-hmm. And one in particular it was the Susan B. Anthony Memorial Terminal Tiki Island. It was probably 50, 60 boats in it. The weather was atrocious that day. But we took that little John Boat, ran way back in the marsh, and we ended up winning first, second, and third. First, second, third in trout. No, redfish and flounder. And then second and third in trout. Dang. So out of nine places, we won. Eight of them, yeah, and that's when I knew that I said we can do this. I, I, I can fish with these guys. Um, so then, once you have the confidence level, then it comes putting time in the water and learning learning your water, your 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 base system, all like that. From sixteen to, I would say, almost thirty. I just put time in and fished a lot and hunted a lot. And I believe I started guiding five years after I should have. Mm-hmm. Because naysayers would tell me I was crazy. They're like, I mean, you what know, you, I had a good job. You know, I man, you're going to quit your job to go guiding and hunting and fishing. And how are you going to make a living at that? And all like this here. I mean, again, self belief is one thing that's, that's a surprising mother. I tell myself, I said, if I can put john don't fish why john not gonna call me you know and then i'm a i'm 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 the, not not the rule i'm the exception you know not i was a guy and i was a black guy guy and you didn't see no yeah. one black guy 30 yeah. years ago you know and uh i i was know what was funny i had about seven or eight guys that would call me daily hey but what you catch? what you do what you catch them <laughs> at and then we yeah. talk back, and they've got we got to be friends. when they see us on the water quite a bit, me and Rodney and stuff like that. So then I am like, he told me, "Said so man, the guys are calling you asking you where you catching fish there. So how come you can't guide on your own?" So I, it, hey, you talking about a long discussion? You got to go in and tell your wife and kids. I am thinking about quitting my job <laughs> and I am gonna go fishing for a living. My wife is, "You gonna do what?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am gonna buy a boat and I am gonna start fishing for a living, and. Um, I had to put, self, put forth a plan though you gotta buy a boat you need equipment you gotta go to class you know you've done it too I had to go to school so there's a lot of stuff yeah. to get started I, um,
0: <laughs> a lot of stuff you don't think about yeah you don't
2: I went to the Houston Boat Show and they had a seminar on getting your captain's class I got all the information on that figured out how much money I need so now I gotta start pigeonholing some money back for that then you gotta figure out a boat then, that was a whole dilemma there. My dad, who grew up, sixth grade education, uh, worked every all his life, everything he had. He goes, son, you don't want to go spend all your money on the boat. I said, well, son, dad, that's what I want to do. He goes, no, I'll get you a good used boat. I said, no, dad, I want a good used boat. I want me a good boat. I don't want no excuses. I said, when people show up, I want them to see a vessel they feel safe in. So, I went shopped around went to the boat shows and I shopped around for a while and then I finally seen the boat that I wanted and uh, went to Whitmarine and Baytown I wanted the 23 Kenner mm-hmm. and I asked him you know what it costs how much you need down here we go again I got a pigeonhole some money over there yep. I worked probably another year and a half saving money up for the boat and um, took my class graduated got my, my license and stuff and then I actually didn't buy a boat off the lot. I had my boat built from scratch. Nice. And if you people don't believe it, but it was the first colored boat in Texas. I remember Bay Boats used to be just pretty much solid white. Yeah. With a, maybe a different color stripe and name on it. But my boat was solid blue all the way through. It was the first one they and I started this color craze. But they delivered my boat February the second. I ran my first charter on the fifth, and didn't look back. Yeah. Um, what year was that? Ninety nine. Ninety nine. I started in ninety nine. What? Well, no, uh, two thousand one. I uh, got my license in February of no, maybe June of ninety nine. But I got mm-hmm. my boat delivered February third uh, of, of two thousand one, and I was told by other people in the business. You do lucky to get 30 trips a year. I was like, what? Yeah, you crazy. You wish not do You You might get, you ain't gonna pay your bills. You can't take it. I did 78 or 79 my first year. And I still kept my job. I just part-timed it. On year two, I ran about 170. And uh, mm-hmm. on, by year three, I was over 250. And... By the year two, and the wife came to me. Quit your job, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I, I was taking off from work to fish, mm-hmm. and the phone was ringing, and then it was just steady And I will thank the good Lord above; He blessed me. And you knew how I was running. You see me the shut my booth would always be packed. I would, I could run twenty days a month without even trying. I could turn down. Then I got to the point where I was hiring other people to run run with me. I was doing a lot of corporate stuff. Right. You know, so that so yeah, I started guiding, and uh to this day I I think the, the good Lord forgive me the the ability, the the talent and stuff like that. So
0: So was that tough your dad leaving the the business at that time?
2: Uh, not really cuz at that time we had about 15 employees. So we had a, a real big crew. And then I was still, usually on a gather trip, I'm done by 12 o'clock. So I'd come in clean the boat up. Then i swing by the job and help him on the other way, bidding or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had, at that particular time, we had a minimum of 10 guys and sometimes as many as 15. So we had enough people to keep the, keep the business going. And I would still come over at night and we'd go over blueprints and and big stuff, but it just got so, my business garden got so big, it was just, I couldn't do nothing but. Yeah. Hey, I remember, we, I hate to say this to my customers, anybody out there listening, but I know someone would call me for the Mars trip, and I've been out 15, 20 days in a row. Hey, Captain Bubba, how you doing? what you catch me today? And I'm like, just be at the ramp at 530. <laughs> I don't want to talk about fishing. We are going to get them tomorrow? Yeah, we'll get them. <laughs> Believe me. I was just... You know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, it's been a real good lifestyle. I, I really blessed themself. So, I you know,
0: from seeing all the stuff you've put on social media and stuff, and uh, you're really into trophy trout. Yes, and love fishing corkies and stuff like that. So exactly. Where, where did that come from? I mean, I mean, because you know,
2: um, when it when it came from, I think it's just a slow progression. Um. Uh, I'm going to go back before I even started guiding. I remember going from just happy to catch fish. And sad to say this, but I can remember when we first started fishing, throwing shrimp under popping cork and all this stuff like this. Yeah. Trout was a trout. Trout just, we got trout, 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 trout. And this is, this is what, what, what really got me. I would go to the Texas dike, wade the levee by myself after school. I'm a teenage kid in high school. And we go out there and buy a quarter shrimp, a of shrimp, and go out there in the evening. And you'd catch 10 or 15 fish, but trout to trout, 14, 15, 15, 16 inches. And you're feeling really good about yourself. This one particular day, I went to Mosquito Island, and I got one bite. It was probably 24 inches long. And I caught that fish, and you couldn't have told me I wasn't God. Yeah. And we got it in. I got in, and we waded back into the dock. And got mo and I went by the marina, and the guys at the at the bay camp, that boys would always, hey, How you doing, Bob? How'd you do? I got a big one. <laughs> what? Oh, boy, you got to come out to the truck and see this fish. I got a fish. How big are you think it is, Bob? I said, eight, nine pounds, easy. The guy goes, really? Go out there and get it. We're going to throw it on the scale. So I went to the truck feeling like Godzilla. I pulled this fish out, and I walked in there, standing about nine and a half, ten foot tall, and I threw it up on that scale. And the guy smiled at me and chuckled, and he hit the scale, and said, 4.56 pounds. I looked at him, what? That's a good fish, but that's not no nail pot. I said, oh, no, 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 no. Your scale messed up. You got to reset that scale. That's the biggest trout I ever caught. I'm the biggest trout I ever caught in my life. I said, You gotta reset He did it again. He said it the exact same weight. <laughs> and he realized that I wasn't sure that he, he said he called me, he said Bubba, that's a good fish. He goes, Don't don't be shaming the fish. It's good. He said, that's not a nine. And I he caught me and goes, that's not a nine probably. He goes, No, a is way bigger than that. So I went out to my truck and I opened up, put that fish in the cooler. I sat there and looked at it for about fifteen, twenty minutes. And at that moment, my quest is to catch one. And i got to figure out everything it takes to to catch them. And from that day to this one, I've been chasing big trout. And I can just about tell you, every big trout I've ever caught, when, where, and how. The very first trophy trout I ever caught was in Moses Lake.
0: Not surprising.
2: Caught it in Moses Lake in the deep hole. Uh, But... From that experience, and then once you catch a big one, it's a whole different animal. Uh, now there's a big argument over the life, old fishermen about catching them on live bait versus lures. I think a big fish is a big fish, however, is caught, but something by fooling them
0: mm-hmm.
2: versus. And as you mature as a fisherman, as an angler, I'll say this here. My boats is personally responsible for a lot of big fish down in Galveston Bay. And when we were growing up, my, me and my crew and my guys my friends that were doing it as we emerged, when you first start catching a lot of big fish, you just feel like you're the man. But I look back on it now. I remember about a five-year summer run we were, especially during the summertime, during the crock season. I could get on a bite and tell my customers I said we can go catch 40 trout or we can go catch 25 over 25 inches a day what do y'all want to do automatic the, the big ones yeah we'd have 25 fish 298 quart coolers level to the top with big fish and you come into the marine and everybody's patting you on your back and high-fiving you know like that 10 years later I'm sitting there like man why did I do that yeah I killed a, I'm, I'm guilty. I'm as honest as anyone. I'm guilty. I killed a whole bunch of big fish. I killed a whole lot of big fish for, for just the sake of, I'm a, I'm a super trout guy. No. I, I, I tell you what, what really what really got me one day. I had some guys from Smith Rainey Investments group. They wanted to go on a trout trip. I picked them up in Bolivar at that beach house. We ran out to the channel. At eight thirty, we had our fish done. Forty trout. We came all the way back to Needles and ate breakfast. We get through eating breakfast, it's like nine fifteen. I go to the boat. I get out my cleaning gear. I'm gonna out the fish. Go. Guy goes, What are you doing? And I got forty trout and ten or fifteen of them in right there, twenty six, twenty seven inches. He goes, We paid for half a day. <laughs> I'm like, Dude, really? He goes, yeah, we paid for half a day. I want the rest of, I need the rest of my money. but my worth of my, my money. I was like, I'm not taking y'all back out there on them fish. Yeah, I just wanna go ahead and just I said, you can't keep anymore. What are we gonna do with them? And that's what kinda woke me up. Why are you beating up and destroying these fish? I got
0: your fish right we here. We got
2: your fish. We got all for yeah. and you know yourself you got forty trout, it's a bunch of fish. Yep. And a percentage of that fish is gonna get freezer burnt. You're gonna get given away to their friends and you know. So that was when I kind of start. We gonna start releasing fish, and I tell everybody. I got buddies that coming to the fall night and want to go catch them now with me, and they'll catch one or two of those big ones. They are like, oh man, I gotta I said, let it go. Mm-hmm. Let it go. Let it. Take a picture of it. Let it go. But I tell everybody, I say, if you ever let one go, the next one's easy. Yeah. I, and now, last winter, not one year before last. I had a winter that the average angler would die and go to heaven. I remember in a two-week period, I probably caught nine fish or ten fish over 29 inches in Galveston.
0: That's some uh, some gators. Studs.
2: Yeah. And I let them 28 and a half to, t- to 30 inches long. I let them all swim off. Yeah. And it, it was wild. You go back to the dock and people see it, they know who you are. Hey, man, you catching the fish? Yeah. What you doing? I caught three big fish today. What Let them go. Oh, you lying.
0: Yeah.
2: And now when you first starting, you want to be, you got to prove them. Some guy, man, you ain't catching no big fish today. Okay. Hey, it, 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 it doesn't bother me one man in the world. You caught any in nine pounds this year, three this week. Oh, you lying. Okay. Okay, you say I'm lying, I'm lying. It it, it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah. To now, my quest is a ten pounder. I've never caught a true ten pounder.
0: Mm.
2: I've caught several nines, several eights, and six to seven and a half pounds. I could not tell you how many I've caught. If I told you a thousand, it might be right on time. Or it might be less, or more. I couldn't tell you. I. I've been on, on on a good bike. Well, I can show some pictures in my phone where well, we was in Sabine one one year. I had two boat loads of people that day: Pop, Leslie, Rodney, Jimmy, Love, Keith, me, Leon, Jack. Nine guys. Everybody broke twenty-eight inches. Everybody.
0: He ain't doing that right now over there. Everybody.
2: <laughs> and, you know, I'm throwing a top water, and I'm catching 24 to 26 fish and throwing them on my shoulder. <laughs> You're like, how big is that? 25. <laughs> You're, like, You're like, what's up? Too little. You're like, what? I'm looking for a 30, 31, 32, you know. And uh, and once you let them go, and you had those days. And I remember when I was the guy dreaming of those days, and I've had them now. I, so now my quest is a, a true 10-pounder, 11, or 12. And uh, I'm hoping the good Lord Steve's fit to let me get her.
0: Yeah, I think you'll get it. You know, and, and, and to me it sounds like you're describing the perfect, uh, the, uh, the perfect full circle story of becoming a true conservationist. True. And fish, I mean, you go through all these progressions, it's just like deer hunting. Yeah. So, to me, it, 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 it's turkey hunting. Smart. Yeah. My favorite thing to do hunting-wise is right.
2: turkey. Mm-hmm.
0: And, man, I was just so eat up that I wanted to kill every turkey I've seen. And now, I mean, I love shooting turkeys. Don't get me wrong. But I could care less if I shoot one. I just, my goal is to take somebody new every year.
2: See them work and, birdies.
0: And see them experience that for the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I've really been getting my daughter into it the last couple of years, and this year, she, um, she don't know it yet, but we're gonna start, you know, practicing shooting and stuff, and see if we can get her bird the next spring. And and um, she's she's ready. She's she's, she's, asked she's me this ready me to go. Like, when am I gonna get one, Daddy? And I was like, Well, maybe next year. We'll gonna get up, a, get old a single shot. Yeah, I'm thinking about trying a 410. To start they off. They making
2: with. they're making good loads now. for Four yeah, tens. You can get you can get a 410 with some of those. Um, constant load in mm-hmm. there. You, she, she can handle it. Yeah. And you know, kill a bird. You yeah. Let it get she's, good and tight in, you know. She's
0: definitely patient enough. Is she? And, uh, um, you know, can sit still. I mean, she hangs with me all day. Really? She's six years old. and She'll sit out there with me all day long.
2: If she, <laughs> Hey, that's the most important point.
0: Yeah. And my boy, he's a little spastic. It's going to take him a couple more years. <laughs> he's only one. three. But uh, she started going with me when she was four, you know. and mm-hmm. um, But... You know, that's the thing. It's like, it's just like you hear here by here. He says, man, says, I don't need to kill him, you know, to enjoy the time out there. And, and, um, that's, that's when, that's when you, you know, when you're making an impact with somebody else or or whatever, Mm -hmm. man, to me, that's, that's more powerful than, than anything else. And, and, you know, I see a lot of these guys now, you know, just like you said, man, it's all social media, Facebook, you know, all these guys putting all these pictures of fish and all this, and man it's about the memories especially guiding cuz we talked about this before we started you know it's like my favorite thing is is meeting the people that I'm taking out
2: i hey, I tell people that before the biggest mistake a guy can think is that he's the most important angler in the boat if it's four people you're number 5 yeah if you if it's three you 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 you're the last most important person on the boat and your successful guys must realize that and uh I see a lot of guys, and you know, I, as I've been doing it for a while, you try to mentor guys, but everybody wants to get into the me, 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 I, I'm the man. Yeah. So if, if those who want to listen, I tell them, it's not about you. It's not mm-hmm. about me fishing in your box. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. <coughs> I had a dad and his three sons have been... Customer man for probably twenty five years, and to take those boys when they were nine and ten, and now they're married, mm-hmm. and now they want to bring their kids, and to know that those kids can still relate the first fishing trip they went with me, you know what I'm saying? Yep. We you say memories, you know. So they call me. Go, the baby boys graduating this year. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know. I'm like what. Yeah. Yeah. What? So we want to take him for his graduation present. You know, that's a blessing. Yep. To say you know someone w- thinks enough of you that they want to fish with you.
0: And that's when you know you're doing good. <coughs> you know, everybody told me when I started, like you know, it's like you need to start. And you're just gonna be slow to you build your clientele up. You know, and, and you can measure your success on the number of repeats you have. And man, I mean, I've been so blessed. I mean, I love people, and I, I bet probably seventy five percent of my business are repeats. Re- repeat. And it's just gotten bigger and bigger every year. I mean.
2: If you, if you do right, they're going to tell a friend. Yeah. They're going to tell a friend. And as uh, long as you're doing them good inside a the job, they're going to come back. Uh, I'll say this. I, uh, and then I learned this every year. You cannot judge your clientele. I've done trips for Sons of Confederate Daughters. Mm-hmm. Sons of a Confederate soldiers or something like that, and then they called and booked the trip with them. Go, excuse me, you know I'm black, don't you? <laughs> and then they go, like, yeah, but you were highly recommended. Yeah, and you, you don't have a problem, do you? Nah, Nah, if y'all want to go fishing, let's go, you know, <laughs> and, and take them out. But with that being said, I'm gonna say what I rank I probably my top five, one of my top five customers of all time is a referral. The guy called me from. I'm some small town outside Nacogdoches. He booked the trip on a referral. Told him he could come on in. We don't fish, whatever. And he showed up and he got out of suburban and he had on coveralls on. <laughs> when I tell you he looked like Duck D- Duck Dynasty, <laughs> name was John. He got out the truck and I told him what color truck and boat I had and all that. And came up, shook my hand. And he told me me and the boys are coming. And John was probably Five eleven, weighed about one thirty five. And we shook hands and introduced ourselves. She said, let me go get the boys out the truck so we can get ready to go. He went over there and tapped on the on the suburban the back door open. The first boy got out the truck probably six three six (laughs) four, about three (laughs) forty. I looked over there, same thing, the long beard, overall. He goes that's my baby boy. (laughs) The next one come out six, three and a half, (laughs) 260. These boys were hit. The the oldest boy come out, he was probably 335. And when I tell you, from the hillbillies, I mean, overalls, long beard, tobacco spitting and all that. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, and I was wrong. This is going to be a trip from hell. The best customers I've ever had in my boat. That's so cool. Hey. He begged me to you you need to buy we need to buy bait? I said, no, nah, I'm on a good lure by y'all do y'all do y'all lure fish? He goes, we bass fish all the time. So if you can throw lures, we good. Man, I couldn't tell you how many fish we we spent the day in the East Bay and we worked those fish over all day long. And I'ma tell you how it went. We got ready to head in about 2 30. I'm on the leaning post heading in. He walks up beside me and leans on. The, on the leaning post next to me, taps my hand. And he hands me about eight hundred dollars. I looked at. Him, I go like. He said, "I just appreciate you doing a good job." He said, "I would let me tell you this here. Go, I will never book another trip with you in your life again." And I'm thrown back. I'm like, "What? <laughs> I'm, 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 my mind's racing. Did I say something? I'm trying to re- go through the whole trip in my mind. You know, I'm going. I said, "Did uh? Did, did I say something out of line?" He goes, no, you're a man that knows what he's doing and, and, and told me what you was going to do, and you did it. He said, I'll never book with you again. You call me when you want me to come. He <laughs> said, me and the boys will be down here. And we fished about every three months for about seven, eight years. Wow. He just, he, he, if, I, if I missed the, the, the our little time bracket, you know, Bubba, what's going on? Oh. oh, it's slow right now. Oh, okay. Just let me know when you're if. I got on a good bite. I said they biting. Well, let me get the boy so we can shag loose. I don't know what he did. He had his own kind of business or whatever. Yeah. Hey, but he ate. he said give us a day. We be down there.
0: Wow.
2: Hey, and it, to see him and to get in the boat. Oh, they bring food. They feed me. But whatever. I mean, what, you, what kind of food you like? Sandwiches. They bring it all with them. I mean, We best customers I've ever had. Yeah. So I tell people, don't judge people. Fish people. Yeah. That's what your job is—to take people fishing, mm-hmm. take people hunting. Same, same thing.
0: Yeah, that's cr- that's crazy. That's crazy, ain't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man, you're probably thinking I need to get a bigger boat.
2: <laughs> well, I'm telling them they got out that truck. I'm like Jesus. <laughs> oh my God, these boys well, are hell. Twenty five footer. <laughs> I'm like whoa. And I at the time that twenty three was one of the biggest gas boats going. I'm yeah. like, do I have enough boat for these guys? <laughs> hey, solidarity though. Right. Yeah. Great dudes. Great, great, Man, great guys.
0: So many people I mean I probably got four or five clients that have just become good friends. Yeah. And it's the same thing. He's like just call me. Just call me when you want to go. You'd be surprised. You know, and I was like, That's just so cool to me. You know, that they trust you for one thing and um, and to do that, you know, and um and uh, you know, it makes you makes you feel good, but it also makes you know what you're, you're, you're doing. You're doing your right. job. You're doing
2: yeah. you're doing th- You're doing something right. Yep. When they when they become friends with you. So,
0: and, and that's that's a lot. Of fun. I look forward to all those trips, man. And um, you know, I do a lot of kids trip, a lot of trips with kids. Well, you do. And, I see
2: you do a lot of kids work anyway.
0: Yeah. So, um, did you get a lot of that? I mean, yes. I don't know I, what I, it was I, like
2: y- back. Y- y- yes, I did. Um, actually, you know Billy Ray. <laughs> oh, yeah. Billy Ray had a little thing he was doing some kids trips with where we, we would take 15, 20, 30 kids out. We'd hire a few boats and do some kids seminars, stuff like that. A uh, uh, couple of fishing clubs in Houston that had you side of them. I dealt with them over the years, took some kids, uh, did stuff like that. Uh, then it was one organization called the Junior Hunters and Anglers Association, but it's since folded. Mm-hmm. I, I dealt with them for a while, and they did a lot of inner city youth stuff. Right. And uh, back fifteen years ago, they were coming on pretty good, but uh, I don't know if the money fell. Got they couldn't get get done, but we did that a little bit, and that was neat to take a lot of kids who had never ever been around the water in the woods, and take them out there and show them some experience they never had, mm-hmm. and. When you can get a, guy, a kid that's a thug, a gangster, that you know, he, he hard, you know. Because I had one one particular morning. He wouldn't even get out the truck. And his grandfather had brought him down to take him out. And he was he was determined. I'm not. I, I swear to God, he's in the truck. I, he he doesn't want to get out. I went over there. I said, let me talk to him. And I explained to him. I said, if your grandpa's kind enough to pay for all this, uh, the least you can do is go. I said, I tell you what, dude. Take the boat ride. In an hour, if you don't like what's going on, I'll bring you right back here. Yeah. And he was like, all right. Well, we went over by the floodgate and started beating them redfish up over there on Millers. He Look, didn't want to go back, did he? No. Yeah. We was throwing live shrimp. As quick as we could hook him out, hand him another rod. He was giggling and laughing. And, oh, my God, I never knew. I said, that's what I'm talking about. You kids have never experienced this. Don't say you don't like it. Yeah, Try it. So, he's going, I'm going back to Dallas and tell my, 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 my partners, you know, my, my, my crew. To try it. Mm-hmm. I said, any lakes up there? Oh, yeah, there's a couple little lakes. I said, go get your fishing pole. Yeah. Put the guns down. Man. Put the knives down. Go go fishing, man, you know.
0: And, and that's one of the things, you know, I, I wanted to talk about, too, is, you know, it's like with our NWTF group that we run up in mm-hmm. Houston. You know, we take a lot of inner city kids and kids that only have single parent households and stuff and don't have the opportunity to get out. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first couple trips I did, you know, we had some some boys that came and and um, I'll never forget this. So we, we did did some work with the Texas Fur Bears Association with trappers. Mm-hmm. And they would come out and set snares and stuff and then before we got there, when we get there they kinda of go over some stuff and kinda of why we're there. And we were looking looking at predator prey relationships and dealing with eastern wild turkeys and um so they was like yeah we got some coons and some snare traps and stuff and uh, we're gonna go take a look at them and you know they're gonna put them out mm-hmm. so i remember we roll up on this coon he's in a creek bed and we get all the kids out and we're standing there and it took a while for the kids to even notice the raccoon right Cause really? he just that coon's just sitting there i mean, he's his hand stuck in the trap and, and um and then we point the coon out to the kids and they're just freaking out you know it's like oh my i've never seen one up that close and and then um, I'll never forget, he gets the catch pole out with the scent mm-hmm. strap on it. And he's like, all right, so would anybody like come help me? And I'm raising my hand. Nobody. And they didn't know what he was going to do. So he gets over there and puts that noose on that coon. And, um, you know, he 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 puts it out. And, man, those kids were just yelling, murder.
2: <laughs> Why'd flee- you
0: kill that raccoon? That coon didn't do nothing to you. And, you know, and we're trying to. Talked to them about this, and, you know, they kind of calmed down, and, and it was like, the stuff they learned over the next two days, three days, we were there. By the end of that time, you know, they would come up to us, and like, I understand why you're doing this, and that there's a reason, and and balancing these predators out versus these other animals and the damage that they can do. And and uh, some of those kids would come back year after year now, Really, and now they're teaching the other kids when they see it, it's like, hey man, it's okay, it's like, this is why we're doing that that's, and that's just that's just so cool seeing that you know <clears throat> and it's hard for people if you're not in the outdoors you just don't understand a lot of that stuff and it's and it's not ignorance it's just you've never been exposed, you've never been to, been it. exposed
2: to it uh in that junior hunting angler social i was saying about we did a uh, seminar up in houston and they had just some, some quizzes going and one of the quiz was what do you call a baby deer and I guarantee it was 45, 50 kids there. No one knew what a what a baby deer was called. Yeah. They're like, what? And I mean, when I'm, it was just like crickets, you know, like, what? And then, you know, you show them a picture. You know, you'd be like, what is a baby deer? And it'd be a cow or a turkey, you know. Mm-hmm. No one knew. It's, a, it's a fun, You know, they like, no one knew what that is. And uh, how do y'all survive in an area where you don't know? I said, now. And they, the simple answer, we go to the store. Yeah. If somehow we, we go to the store, I said, what do you do if the store's closed? What do, you, what do you mean if the store's closed? If the stores are closed, you have no money, could you feed yourself? Could you? And and I, I don't know how, how to express how important it is to be able to grow some food, catch some food. Mm-hmm. I tell my wife all the time, because she's a city girl, what are you talking about? You know, Armageddon comes. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I said, well, I got my rod and reels, some, some lures. Got my gun. I can go catch some. I can go kill some. I can eat." Uh, and, and as men, we are hunter gatherers to start with, so that's just that should be in your nature. And I think that's what some of the stuff why why, why the kids these days are going down the wrong path. They have no outlet mm-hmm. for you know whatever. they need. So. To be put in the woods, you feel like a man. I'm on the water; I feel like a man's man. You know what I mean? And you, I don't see; I don't think you see enough of that nowadays. Yeah, but I think it's something that needs to be more more prevalent.
0: And, th- and there's so many groups that are trying to make an impact with that, you know. But man, it's just it's so hard to get get these kids started. And and the problem, what I've noticed with all the stuff that we do with youth and stuff, is if you can't get the parents to bite. And understand the importance of it. You're not going to get the kids' attention or the time because you got to get the parents to either get them to apply to whatever program it is, and then to get them there. I mean, you know, like with our NWTF group, we provide transportation. I mean, we'll go pick the kids up, you know, at the church or whatever, and and take them up there. You know, it's so all you got to get, get the parents say it's okay.
2: And what that. else do you got to do? Because well, I, I think one thing is. The parents and the, the grandparents, grandma used to be 65, now grandma 45. <laughs>
0: you yep. know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Mom, you know. Uh, I watched, we coached Little League. I coached Little League ball over the years and so like did. And, you know, Little League football, so like did. The 10, 11, 12 years or 30, you could throw a ball, hit, run, tackle, whatever. I went out and watched my, my one of my best friends. He's doing it now. He's coaching Lily. These kids can throw a ball from here to your gazebo right there. Mm-hmm. How old are you, son? Thirteen. I like. No one never taught you to throw a ball. No. Gun safety, bow safety, how to camp. You no. Know. I hate to say it, but Boy Scouts is a joke now. Yeah. You know, I was a Boy Scout and then I learned some good things from it. You know. Uh, but I think these programs like this need to be in the schools or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, archery classes, camping, just just survival skills. You mm-hmm. never know. Uh, how many times these, these people go out hiking or something, get separated, and they don't know what to do? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can remember as a young kid, my dad, we go out cooing at night, and the dogs would go on to the Strong profit. My daddy would, hey, go get the dog, son. I'm 13, 14. Okay, daddy. Go get the dogs. He taught me how to navigate in the woods. Listen for a railroad track. Listen for highways this side of you. That radio tower's this way to, you know, the truck's that way, you know. And you learn how to. How, these kids go out tonight and panic. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yo, know, I got people out there. I'm not coming. How you going in that boat out in the deep water? Well, <laughs> stay in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> you don't ever worry about getting lost? Uh, no. No. I see. No, I mean you use your wits about you, and I've had stuff happen before. Bad weather blow up on you, but yeah, I've, I've been in some precarious positions out there before. I've rescued folks, and, you know, different things, you know. But keep your wits. I think it learns you to keep a cooler head, you know. Yeah. By repetition of doing it over and over again.
0: Yeah. Shoot. So, um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was you know kind of what we're coming off of here about the education stuff is is um tell us about Power Circle Outdoors, how that started. And I know your son is part of it and and kind of what y'all's mission is with this group and, and, and what y'all doing because you, you're doing stuff all across the country now.
2: Yes. uh For everyone out there listening, uh, I am the president of Power Circle Outdoors. Um Power Circle is actually just a progression of my hunting and fishing through the years. I went from a novice to a semi-novice, to a professional, I went professional, then guiding, and, and then, so now I think it's time for legacy, it's time to leave something behind, as I'm in my 50s, I'm late 50s now, it's time for me to teach others and bring others into the forefront and show people what our outdoors have, so as I crisscrossed the country fishing tournaments, I fished the Pro Redfish Series and circuits and hunted all across the country. I'm finding blacks that are one here, one here, one here, one there. Yeah. We're all in the same similar boat. They go like, you know, I don't know. I didn't know there was other people wanting to do it professionally like that. Uh, when I would go to the HT Riffy series, I'm the only black guy there. Uh, I'd go duck hunting, and you know, you don't hear no black guys duck hunting. Well, by traveling and stuff, when we post pictures, also I'd get inboxes. Mm-hmm. man you you black I'm black too I'm black. where you at I'm in Tennessee I'm in Arkansas I'm in here and there. so it was just a natural progression to start grouping guys together who were like minded and who wanted to teach the youth uh, open up some avenues for other uh, blacks in the outdoor industry uh, so we formed a power circle uh, now, the key to the power circle, I got this idea from the Knights of the Round Table. Okay. Uh, if you know in a circle, no one's better than anyone else. Right. We're all even. So, if you're a rancher, I'm a duck hunter. You have, I got one guy's a professional, AJ Mays, a professional bass fisherman out of Arkansas. DJ Smith's in Arkansas. He's a farmer in Arkansas. He has all the property up there. Um, Chandler Archie, he just moved from Oregon. Of all places, he moved to Austin now, but he was out in Oregon. Um, Ron Kelly's a pd officer in LA, Los Angeles. Same way, he's a uh, avid wing shooting competition shooter. Mm-hmm. So we thought it'd be better to pool our resources together. We have a dog trainer, Ken Ferguson. Yeah, he trains all our labs. You know, mm-hmm. I was looking around for a dog trainer, and the same thing, I was scrolling on the internet one day so I could get my dog trained. Came across the black guy to train. Never seen a black dog training. Just like nobody seen never done. dog Called him up. We just got to converse. It was just, it was gravity just put us together. Yeah. And uh, we set forth a uh, uh, mission statement that we want to teach the youth, uh, expose uh, outdoor exploits, uh, get as many people involved. We got the group page. We have Facebook. We have YouTube. We have Twitter. We have TikTok. We have, I mean, every social media platform you can think of. Um, and to 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 show people what's out there. Then, on top of that, to show people that the outdoor is a viable market to make a living in. Yep. That's one thing that a lot of people don't know. I said, what? I was uh, talking to some guys the other day. And I was in Texas. Deer hunting is a $7 billion a year sport. And they stopped. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, not 7 million. I said, 7 billion. Waterfowling is 2 billion. And I said, you see, no one like us out there. Um, there's another podcast out of uh, Nebraska called File Front. gentleman by the name of Ben Page runs it. He called and reached out to me, I guess, two, three weeks ago. Yeah. And he did the same thing. He goes, I've kind of been watching y'all guys and see what you're doing. He says, kind of. New to me. We never understood. And he asked me a very specific question. Why do we see more blacks doing it? I said, It's a lot of black folks hunting fish. But they're not given an opportunity to show themselves. And um, I would say we're somewhat semi behind the eight bar, but we're, they're growing. Uh, when I roll out to a hunt in Arkansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, wherever, you know, I've, I get this question to this day. They'll pull you over. I'll be with a couple of white guys, a couple of black guys. <laughs> they'll they'll pull out the guns, check your plug. That's Brennelli. Who's is that? They'll talk to one of my white hunting buddies. No, that's his. Yeah. They'll pull out the next gun. Oh man, that's that new brother A four hundred, man. What you pay for it? No, that's his. <laughs> you know, uh one time we was in Sabine, at that time we was with Shimano and they was like and at Sims, you know, I was you know how long I've been with Sims. Yeah. Man, what kind of waves are those? Sims? What do they cost?
0: You don't wanna know. You don't
2: wanna know. <laughs> they hide. What? They, they come check them out too. Oh man. Uh, man they, they, no, they bubbles, those bubbles. You know, I'm with Sims. I'm a Sims I've been on Sims Pro twenty five years now. Uh so yeah, you know, you learn to use the how best that,
0: how does that make you feel though? I mean honestly.
2: Honestly, it's 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 it's, it's a it's a double edged sword. Um, I'm going to just give you a a quick example. I ran a corporate trip out of April Fool Marina some years ago. It was Auto Auto, Auto Nation, Auto Zone, -hmm. Auto Auto Nation, uh, the car dealership. And they had a boat from every store in in the state of Texas. And um, I can't remember what guy put it together, but we all got boat numbers. And they come in on Greyhound chartered buses and they would give us a number. And you get off the bus and you hold up your number. I'm Captain 14. So you know, I'm sitting there by my boat and I'm standing holding up with my truck. And the guy comes over to me and goes, I'm looking for Captain Bubba Ray. And I'm I'm sitting there with the number in my hand. You know, I'm like, Beaufort? <laughs> yeah, okay. He, he goes, okay, where's the captain at? Mm. And I'm like, I'm your captain. He looks and he goes, he goes back over to the other three guys. and goes, he said he's our, our guide. They walk over to me, and they go, you're the guide? I go, yes, sir, I'm the guide. I'm Captain Bubba Ray. They walk away from me about 20 yards, and they huddle up. And they have a powwow about this here. They mm. come back to me and goes, what boat are you in? Mm. I go, the big blue one right there. They walk down the dock and walked all the way around the boat, boarded it, walked around, come back to me. His response to me, Derek, it's a nice boat. Who you driving it for? And I was like, "It's mine." He goes, like, "What? That's my boat." So it it, it it keeps going. Goes. Well, do you know where some fish are? <laughs> and I, I politely, you know, then as a as a man, you get somewhat insulted, but as a guy, you gotta, yeah, you gotta go. I said, "Sir, let me let me explain something to you." I got paid when I took it off the trailer this morning. Yeah. I said, "Now we can go do three things. We can go for a boat ride. We can go fishing, or we can go try to win this tournament. It does not matter to me which one you want to do. Yep. When we want to win the tournament. Get in the boat." Yeah. <laughs> he looked at me. It's and that, that simple. It's that simple. Just get in the boat. He said, "What?" I said, "This is what I do every day for a living. This is how I pay my bills. I fish." We came in third place.
0: Yeah.
2: We get back to the dock. Twelve thirty. In April Memorial, everybody said, how many you got, how many you got, how many you got? I said, I got 40 trout in the boat. The next boat to me had 17. They're like, man, you can fish. I said, why do you judge me? Yeah, I said, I'm, I'm a man, you know. But then, hey, I've had it in duck hunting. Sa- same scenario. Mm-hmm. When I run that big mallet operation in Central Texas, we heard you got a bunch of mallets up here. I do. Well, we don't see. Whatever. <laughs> We, at the whole, we, had, we had a holiday in up there in Crockett where we were hunting. He up to, I said, sir, are you going to quit asking me questions so we can go duck hunting? Yeah. We get in the woods, set up everything. So you got a bunch of mouths out here. He said, yes, sir. We kill lemons every if day. We go, I can show them to you. you know, if, we, if we get out, <laughs> quit running your mouth and we get 930. Oh, it's the best duck hunter I've ever been in my life. <laughs> oh, my God. I never. And I, how does it make you feel? Me and me, you've been friends a while. We've always just been just regular guys, you yeah. know. That's what, that's what you want to see. That's what you want to feel every day. Is it like that to some point? But you still get doubts. It's mm-hmm. almost like as a black man, you have to prove yourself. And then, and the guy, like I said on the duck hunt, the guys who told you about me went hunting with me last week. What right. did they tell you they killed? A bunch of mallets? What's the problem? Yeah you know, so I I just wish the industry would be more open to more black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, like again, I tell everybody, learn your craft. If you learn your craft, no one can sell you short. Cause what they can't take away is your talent. Yeah. If I can knowledge. put yeah your knowledge, if I can put you on birds and and put you on fish. Every time I've done it, we go on some of these adventures that we do now. We go to Mexico. Um, unfortunately, we were booked to go to Canada to do a waterfowl. We'll do some filming up there this year. But the the borders going to be closed. But, we you know, we use outfitters up there, and they, they call, and we talk about it. And they do homework. They call me back. Bubba, you're a <laughs> guy. I go, yeah? Uh, so you you know what you're doing, huh? Yeah? <laughs> so they go like so you really, hey, you really know what you're doing. I'm, I've been doing it a while, you know. i tell had a very good experience before. I went to the Shandula of to film, 2008. We were down there doing a wave fishing trip with a prominent bass fisherman. He had his own, at this time, he had his own particular TV show.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And they decided to do a wave fishing trip. And the sponsor that we both were tied up with had me go down to represent from the sponsor side. We got down there. And uh, when we showed up at, at we we, we, launched, we launched out of Biloxi. We met up for a pre-production meeting. And we sitting there talking. What are you, who are you again? So I kept getting the homie. Who are you again? I'm Captain Bubba Ray. I am with this particular sponsor who is sponsoring the show. Yeah. And they sent me down here to help make sure everything and produce the show. And they would look at me, they keep talking. You say you a who? You a, what do you do for a living? I'm a full time hunting and fishing guy. Full time. I'm not no partner, that's what I do. So they laid out all the equipment that we were gonna use, the rods, the reels and all that. Everything was wrong. I go, why do y'all have sixty five pound braid on these rods? Why y'all have y'all got heavy action rods and stuff? So I said, This is not gonna work. Well, we catching red fishing. It's not going to work. <laughs> now, this is a the kid. They go, what? So, they get out there. and they tr- He's trying to fish with this stuff. He's not catching nothing. Yeah. And I told him, I said, I go back to the boat and get my rod. I see. throw this real medium light. Shhh. Oh, man, this is so much better. Um, Duh. Now, watch this. <laughs> is there. This is when corkis were introduced to Louisiana. I brought a bunch of corkis with me we out there, and they're trying to make the cast off the shell bar, and they can't make the cast. I put on a fat boy, and I shoot it out to about 55, 60 yards. Let it sink, but three thump, 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 thump. Uh, Sonny Schindler, who was with Martian Bayou Magazine, was there coming from a magazine run, and he documented the whole thing. I bet you I caught 200 fish to that guy's 10. Now, listen to this here. We get back. At the end of the three day expedition, the film and all we get back to the, Biloxi, the Marina. I go to shake his hand. He looks at me in my face and tell me, You'll never see it on TV. Yeah. I'm like, excuse me? Say, you'll never, we'll never you never see this on TV. What are you talking about? This is the such and such such a show. hmm He let me know in no uncertain terms that this is his show. And that that me out fishing him won't be seen. Yeah. And uh yeah. No, but as he as he walked away, I had to remind him. You look in the mirror, you know what happened. Mm-hmm. Now you can tell everybody else whatever, but you know, as man to man, you know what happened. And I wasn't trying to be cocky. I, I was trying to help the show, and I'm giving him my rod. My, here, fish my rod. Show you how to catch some fish, you know. But I remember over here since I've been doing pro tournaments and stuff, you go to a sponsor and talk to him. you know, hey, I'm looking for some sponsorship. I'm trying to fish this, this, this. Oh, we're not sponsoring nobody right now. Then two days later, they give Joe a bill over there for a boat ride. You're like, what's the deal on that? You go back to him, I thought y'all weren't sponsoring nobody. What are you talking about? You just sponsored Joe over there. Mm. Huh? And then see, and what, what I like about now is I've been in it long enough. I know the ropes. Yeah. I know the, the, the lingo, of what to say, how to how to carry yourself. And then people start giving you the song and dance. I'm a gold level Mercury guy. What? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I'm a gold level Mercury guy. So you got to tell somebody else that. And so, but I see it getting better uh, with the climate of the country right now. Mm-hmm. I I want it to get better uh, because. I don't want no more from my people than you want from yours. Hey, I tell even the political views of everything. Jason Otto is my Wade box sponsor. He makes all our Wade and Tackle stringers and all that there. We have different political views. Me and him get along like just like two peas in the park. I said, We can have a disagreement about political views. Let's go fishing. Yeah. And we just yeah. hey look he breaks out laughing and say, You bobby you right, let's get in the water. Yeah. I said, We don't have, it's not about that. It's not about that. So, I see, I see, I see a lot of headway being made, but I think we got a little ways to go.
0: And it's gotta be, I mean, it's not just, it's not just blacks; but it's women, it's women, And it's these kids, right? You know, and you got some females on the power circle. Yeah, we got around, females right? in the you know? on power circle
2: team, and uh, as we picked everybody, uh, actually Donna is the girlfriend of the youngest member of the team, and we were going hunting, and she would always be around. I said, Donna, you hot? She goes, yeah. Why well, aren't you going? <laughs> Why you ain't, No, No, check, check this out. We went to Arkansas. Donna probably weighs 120 pounds at best. Her gun jammed up. I had my Beretta a 40 which you don't know. That's a big 12-gauge. I said, you can shoot my Beretta. I'm like, because she was shooting a 20-gauge at time. She grabs it. She's on the right side of the blind. These ducks come through. I swing on them. We cut at them. Don't draw a feather. They get on the right side of here. Boom, boom. Both ducks. <laughs> so I'm telling her, who shot them? Everybody looking around. And she, hey, she don't. She, she says nothing. You know, <laughs> she's sitting there with the gun on here. Who killed a duck? She's just done That was both me. <laughs> that was me. That's me. Hey, she weighed fishes. We go on these public land hunts. Sometimes we film, walk a half a mile through the marsh. She, a and then what? this? she's a girly girl. Yeah, those nails are done. That hair is done. You know, mm-hmm. outfit. But and then she, she tells everybody. She said, I don't know why women don't enjoy this. She say, they don't trash. She, she, I, I and mean, she can handle a shotgun and rod and never chip a nail. I do not understand that. <laughs> I said, you get to your nails are perfect. She said, you gotta know how to do it. But yeah, we got girls in it. We have uh, a retired police sergeant, farmer, guide. Makisa is a guide now and a, and a heavy equipment operator. We have a Texas American highline worker. One guy works in energy. My son works for me. Uh, Frank works for school district. We got we, we try to be as diverse and then we try to be as age appropriate, we got them from nineteen to seventy. Mm-hmm. So w- when I did this, I wanted to make sure we got all elements. We got some women, and uh, for those who meet the criteria, we're bringing different people uh, in and out. And you, you got some some stuff, and right we, now we're kind of expanding into the fan group, so you can become a, a power circle fan member. And uh, we're gonna we got some really big stuff coming up, twenty twenty one. 20 and 21, uh, you'll see some stuff coming out in the next uh, uh, probably two to three weeks, but the pandemic kind of slowed stuff up. It slowed everything down. Yeah, we, like I said, we had booked to go to Canada, and we were going to spend 15 days up there. 14, 15 days, something like that. I can't remember exactly yeah. where we were. but all that's going to be washed down, but uh, we have film, film guy, we have editors, we have audio guy. We were going to be filming, and uh, we have a lot of great sponsors that's coming aboard now that I, that I must really thank. Uh, I'm surprised that who, who's really opening up to us now. We we picked up Gunner Kennels the other day, if you know anything about Gunner Kennels. Mm-hmm. Gunner, you know, when you pay paying that kind of money for a high-quality dog kennel, uh, I can't say enough about them. DT System, the dog collar, we picked those guys up. Uh, still guys like Billy Ray with Saltwater Soul, they're still backing us. So... uh if anybody that don't know, you can follow us at PowerCircleOutdoors.com. You can find us on all the social media platforms: TikTok, Facebook, uh, YouTube, Instagram. PowerCircle Outdoors. Just follow us and then uh, give us a shot. We we do seminars, charters, whatever whatever you want to do. Anything you need to do, we will be more than happy to come work with anybody.
0: Yeah, man. Well, it's it's awesome to see that. That group grows so much, and uh, like you said, follow along online. You know, y'all do some good. I mean, I've watched a bunch of y'all's videos y'all put up, and hunting, duck hunting, and, and the fishing and stuff, and and uh, it's good content. We you got learned something.
2: Yeah, we got a lot of stuff that we haven't put out yet. Uh, we have a uh, ambassador that's doing some stuff with us. We got a lot of stuff that we filmed like last year that we haven't released yet. We're just waiting drop mm-hmm. time and get some stuff going. So. Yeah. People
0: are so thirsty for anything right now.
2: You want some content?
0: Yeah. Man, I mean just they, they want to see I'm, it. You I'm know? gonna talk
2: to I'm gonna talk to my guys. We sitting on we actually shot a gunner video with the new kennels that we got. Well, probably a week ago. So that's about to drop. Yeah. Uh but we got a couple of duck hunts that we shot last year. We just sitting on them. Yeah. Trying not to flood. We try to get everything in position just right. hmm But as soon as we get everything going, we're gonna we try to drop every two weeks out until before the corona hit and all like that. But we're going to try to amp this thing up and get it really rolling. Yeah.
0: And that's that's kind of probably the last thing we'll touch here. Because I had, I had wrote down some notes, of the, the corona effect. I have never in my life seen something drive more people into the outdoors than this year with this stupid virus. And uh, I'm talking, I mean, we hunt a lot of public land over in East Texas. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling where we were, but you don't have to be too smart to figure out where we're <laughs> probably mm-hmm. hunting turkeys and stuff. But, uh, man, it was like walking into a damn amusement park out there, with so many people.
2: You, you And know- uh,
0: and, the, and we talked to a bunch of them. It was like, man, we never hunted this before. We just. We couldn't do nothing, so we figure We go hunting, you know. And well, it sucks for us, but it's cool seeing people get out.
2: You, you know? see him try to go to a academy, some of these tackle stores, oh, try to empty. buy some. empty. It the, is. The, empty. the shelves are white clean.
0: Yeah, the fishing department's empty. Hunting department, it's going to be empty. It's, it's going to be. Come on, a few more, in more, weeks. Season,
2: two <laughs> more weeks. But that's what I'm saying. Going to, you can't buy no tackle, nothing, you yeah. know, which is good for the industry. It's, it's, it's exposing a lot of people. And now, uh, what I know is that. Those that don't know, don't mind spending a little bit of money to try to learn. So, yeah. that for, for the gas business, is good.
0: My phone, I mean, I had no calls. And I'm not ashamed to say that. I had no calls for about two months. And I mean, second week of May, when we started getting back open, starting to think about opening back up, mm-hmm. man, it would not stop ringing. I don't That's know how many trips thing. had to give away or turn down. Turn down, mean, just can't get to them. You can't do them all.
2: I've been down them two days a day. They get old quick.
0: It is, and there's one thing, guy. If you do not have the commitment to be a guide, it is <laughs> it is not something you want to go because it it's I won't say it, it. It's work. Yes, but uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize because everybody's always asking me, like, well, well, how long is your day usually?" You know, it's like we're we're out here fishing from like six till noon or one mm-hmm. o'clock, and I'm like, well, I got up at three three thirty. That's I ain't gonna be done cleaning the boat till five six o'clock. That's what they don't see. And then I gotta get ready, get do the it, rods rigged back up, and it, go to again, bed and do, do it, it again, again tomorrow.
2: tomorrow. That's, what they, that's what they don't see.
0: And uh, but every day is different. And that's what I love about it, you know. So, but yeah, the coronavirus. I mean, I've never seen so many boats on the water. I mean, there's so many people out. It's it's just, it's had a huge impact and and um, and hopefully after if if we ever get back to normal. Um, or whatever normal is, you know, these people will stick with it.
2: Yeah, um, and I, I can say with this with this virus going, I think the mindset of people now is a little bit different. Back then, they want someone to teach them, and uh, that's that's we reason we dropping the content to mm-hmm. put information to get people more interested in, it. and uh, so we we want to do the best we can with that part. Anyone out like anyone lift, listening to us, it's 14 of the guys in my thing. Drop us a line. Somebody get back with you real quick, you know. Yeah. And uh, if we can take you fishing, uh, take you hunting, uh, show you some, give you some insight on some stuff, nothing but more than happy to do it.
0: Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, well, Bubba, I, I appreciate you so much for being on the show, and, and we've been trying to get together for a while. For a
2: while now. We need to get so, on the water, Derek.
0: Yeah, let's let's go. I'm gonna be off one day this week, so
2: we need to get on the we can water. sneak out. Um,
0: you got any final things to say, or
2: uh, no, really, I just want to thank you, uh, Derek. You know, one thing I can say about you since the day we met, brother, you've been as genuine to me then as you are to this day. Um, and if it's anything I can ever do, you me come sit here and talk. Um, you got some of that stuff with the kids, we can. We need to go shoot them wood ducks. That's what we need to do. Yeah, we gotta we go, need to do go that shoot that them wood fall. ducks.
0: Yeah, it's duck season. When's teal season open? Let me weeks up. September
2: fourteenth, I think. Yeah. September twelve, fourteenth. Something so like
0: that. We're only about seven weeks away.
2: Yeah, it's getting real close. So, uh, getting ready for that. We're probably gonna be shooting hunting in Louisiana. I have an outfitter there who wants to host us to film film there, and then. Uh, Start getting up for duck season.
0: Are you going back to Oklahoma this, this season?
2: Uh, no. I'm, I am I will definitely hunt Arkansas because we got a bunch of stuff there. I gotta, I've got. been invited to come film in Michigan. Mm. Uh, it was Canada. And then we may do Oklahoma or Nebraska. Yeah. Um, but as much as we're traveling now and... That's that's what we want to do. We want to get across the country more and expose more folks. Yeah. Um, we went to Tennessee last year. Mexico, Arkansas, Oklahoma, California. I gotta remember. <laughs> it's hard to keep yeah, up with all this. Lot, stuff.
0: Man, man, maybe we can get together. I know. I know our guys from our NWTF group. We're, we tried to go to New Mexico this year, do Miriam's turkey hunt. Did you? But Corona. I mean, it was right smack dab when that was going down, big time, and so we scrapped that. But uh, maybe you can sneak out there with this next year.
2: We so. want—I want, I want to do it. Uh, actually, uh, even Eastern, even this year, turkey season come. Yeah. I like to get—we don't know to film it.
0: Yeah, yeah, we do that for sure. Let me know. We come so.
2: sit down on a turkey, on a bird.
0: Cool, man. Well, all right. Well, we've been on here an hour and a half, so they're <laughs> gonna get tired listening to us. But uh, but anyway, thank you, and. uh hopefully get out on the water soon all right man all right
2: appreciate
0: Appreciate it brother all right well thanks for listening to this week's episode of impact outdoors podcast we really appreciate everybody listening and tuning in and uh following along with us and some of these amazing stories we're bringing to you guys and uh look forward to continue doing that and um if you'd like to to reach out, and uh, if you got any suggestions for the show, please email them on to us at derek at impactoutdoorspodcast dot com, or follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, be sure to share it with a friend and and uh, and if you wouldn't mind, if you're on iTunes or anything, man, just jump on there and, and give us a rating and leave a review. We'd love to love to hear from you and see who uh, who we can get on the show next. We've got some great guests lined up here in the next few weeks and. And really looking forward to bringing you those. And uh, I know everybody's still struggling through this coronavirus time right now. And it's definitely making a, a big impact on everybody. We've we've personally had some, some dealings with it here locally here in Texas as the case numbers continue to rise and stuff. But, um, you know, we're going to get through it. And um, hopefully we'll come out better on the other side of this. So um, praying for everybody. Hope everybody is doing good. And tune in for the next episode all right thanks a lot
1: with saltwater experience brought to you by golden boat lifts every thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment
2: <laughs> a life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby 6 8 western mule oh, there
1: baby right there
2: tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv